Living God, be with us in this place. Stir our hearts, stimulate our minds, and inspire us, we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. I wonder what you were doing on the 15th of December 2015. No, 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 no spontaneous responses. I'll tell you what I was doing on the 15th of December. Um, I was sat slightly scared because I was still holding a four-week-old baby at the time, watching three men in a metal tube explode into space. It was the day that Tim Peake went to the International Space Station. And I was struck by that situation, that awe-inspiring moment of watching that huge rocket take off from Kazakhstan and just go high into the sky as they go through the atmosphere and then landed successfully on the International Space Station. And as I said, I was still very freaked out by the responsibility of this tiny bundle of carbon and hydrogen atoms lying in my arms. So here we are, 10 to 11 weeks later, at the start of our Lenten journey. A Lent journey which invites us to remember, as I've already said, that to dust we came and to dust we will return out of the ash we came and will return. We are indeed fleeting and disintegrating piles of carbon and hydrogen atoms ourselves. And so Lent, this 40-day period, not including Sundays, reminds us of our temporal nature, or more crudely, our terminal condition. It forces us to ask questions, what really matters most? and also invites the Christian church into a journey of reflection on repentance, not just the simplicity of saying sorry and moving on. After all, we're British, and according to a recent study, we say sorry 20 times more than any other cultural group in the UK, or in the world, sorry. But a time of repentance that takes a different course, that notices possibility and potential, that does indeed reach for the stars and be inspired to be the best that we can be. And as we've sung, Lent, as with life, can be a difficult journey, a reminder of our own helplessness, our own failed responsibilities to ourselves, each other, and to creation. Upon the fragility of life, But it's also a journey that leads us forwards towards an empty tomb and a hollow cross. That magnificence of the kingdom of God for the whole of creation. The creation that, as the psalmist says, was brought into being by God's very fingertips. Hands that flung stars into space, as Graham Kendrick once wrote. So what are we currently turning towards and what do we need to turn from that act of repentance? Is our Lenten journey one of ashes? Looking back, confessing, recognising our individual and corporate sinfulness? Or is our Lenten journey a turning towards 
a promise of inspiration and redemption and creativity, a promise that a new world is possible and it is here now as well as future and that each one of us is called to participate in it, a journey of stardust perhaps. And so this evening I'm going to be playing with that metaphor a little bit. What is it to have a journey of ashes looking back and a journey of stardust looking forward, recognising that actually they are one and the same bundle of hydrogen and carbon atoms? Because the fact is we need both of these things, both ashes and stardust, both looking back and imagining that a new world is possible. And we discover this through the difficult prophetic words found in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 is written to an exiled Jewish community. This is a group of people who have lost their home, lost their identity and have lost their hope. In some cases they've even lost their faith and they are living as an oppressed people persecuted in a nation they no longer recognize. Isaiah's prophecy, difficult prophetic words and questions, encourages them at this place to not give up, to begin to imagine the possibilities if God is still in control. In the midst of the ashes of atheism all around them, the social disintegration that they're experiencing, Isaiah gives words by God which builds them up, gives them life and hope and identity. There is perhaps the stardust of promise found here. In previous chapters leading to this very point, we discover a people who are exhausted, desolated, afflicted, storm-tossed, sinful and without comforts. A group of people that blame God for their situation. They are very much the people of ashes. But yet the psalmist, or Isaiah here, talks powerfully with that invitation. Come to me, buy and eat, listen, seek out God. The prophet offers difficult but new plans afoot. In the midst of the ashes, there is stardust. New ways to be human in this new place. New ways to bring hope in the desolation. An invitation to join in, to build this new kingdom that isn't ruled by human hands. And so in Isaiah 55, we have something of a linchpin in the chapters of Isaiah. It's a moment where the previous chapters of the ashes are given a hope, given a new imagining, given the promise of relationship, which then lead us into powerful passages of the suffering servant and the promise of Christ still to come. It's pivotal. It helps the people recognise that God is still in control. And it helps us also to look forward to the Gospels. There are themes here that are so reminiscent of Jesus' ministry. Come to me, all who are thirsty, come and drink. Words Jesus uses in John chapter 7. Come, join the feast, the banquet of the King. 
parables, short stories told with a powerful twist by Jesus in all four of the Gospels. And a participation in salvation history where each one of us is invited to that very banquet. And so I want to help us think about three things this evening. The first may be that for some of us, we ourselves or we know people close to us who are living in the ashes of life. Maybe like Isaiah's audience, they are exhausted, desolated, afflicted, storm-tossed, sinful and without comfort. And yet here in Isaiah, there is a promise, a promise of comfort and invitation. Come all who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Come, buy, eat and drink. Seek the Lord and call on him while he is near. Perhaps we need to discover something of the stardust promise amidst the ashes. I wonder whether for some of us the gift of Lent is that it's an invitation to look back, to look back on recent days, weeks, months and years, to recognise how you got to this place, the difficult journey, but to take the opportunity today to look forward, to know that you are not alone and that your ashes are not without stardust too that you too are invited. The great thing about the Methodist Church is that it's an open invitation to feast together. And it's great that we're in a central hall where we offer that invitation to all sorts of people throughout every single day. Recently we've had everybody from Brian Adams to Ban Ki-moon in the building. (laughs) We offer an open invitation and offer that hospitality to others that they too may notice something of the grace and the stardust of God amidst their own daily rhythms and lives. Perhaps, just perhaps, in amongst the difficult ashes that we shouldn't move quickly through, we're able also to notice those moments of the stardust of the kingdom Secondly, however, I find this passage deeply offensive. In the cold light of a midwinter's day, we know that the metaphor of feasting and fasting are the reality for many people. Yes, we can recognise the links to feasting of the afterlife and salvation history. Yes, we can draw the parabolic comparison. Yes, we can celebrate the stardust gift that all are invited and the hope that this brings in the midst of our spiritual impoverishment. But we live in a world where poverty is rife. We live in a country where people earn less than they need to live on, where homelessness is on the increase for the seventh year running and where 18 individuals own and earn more than the 50% of the rest of the world. 18 individuals earn and own more than 50% of the rest of the world. A 
passage about feasting and not thirsting rubs poverty in our faces. And so perhaps there is something in this passage which will inspire us this Lent to get out of our ivory towers of spiritual insurance and to save us some more of those realistic moments. Maybe this is our call to action. Maybe we need to notice the Spirit at work in the smallest of specks, but also to live in a way which changes people's lives, not out of guilt and not out of deep piety, but authentically, because it's the right thing to do. We are to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked and to provide tampons to women who need them. Perhaps we are to serve in a shelter, to buy food for a food bank, to volunteer with crisis and to sew on zips into sleeping bags. Maybe we are the people who are called to listen to the stories of the ashes. Maybe this is our invitation to get angry, to notice the injustice of contemporary society and whatever our political allegiance, to step up and to finally make a difference. It's easy at this point to be rather gung-ho. In our abstinences of chocolate or cake or dessert, whatever we've given up this Lent, and our fashioned responses liturgically to all the opportunities that we have to perhaps wallow a little bit too long in the ashes of life. We can feel pretty good when we're able to let that chocolate bar pass because we know that Easter Sunday is coming and there's plenty of Easter eggs to be eaten. We can sing the songs in the minor key because we know that the major key is coming. But I wonder whether participating in the ashes and the stardust of the Lenten journey about noticing the kingdom of God in our midst is an invitation for us to be brave and to be a little bit more broken this Lent. Parker Palmer, the theologian and writer, tells this story. He tells an ancient story of a pupil coming up to a rabbi, a teacher, and asking, Rabbi, why does the Torah, the law, tell us to place holy words upon our hearts? Why does it not tell us to place those words in our hearts? And the rabbi answers, it is because our hearts are closed and we cannot place holy words in our hearts. So we place them on top of our hearts and they stay there until one day the heart breaks and the whole world falls in. We have to place them on top of our hearts and they stay there until one day the heart breaks and the whole world falls in. I wonder whether we need more holy words upon our hearts and to risk difficult prayers that break our hearts and let the whole world fall in. For this is the topsy-turvy nature of the kingdom of God, that we can be more open, more inclusive, more challenging and more loving towards ourselves, towards each other, 
towards God and towards the whole of creation. We can come and listen and seek God in more depth. But that's a risky prayer to pray because that risks being broken and the whole world falling in. The very nature of stardust is that it's blown apart. The very nature of ash is that it's a disintegrated entity, dismantled to its very base level. So maybe as we marvel, feast, worship, thirst, hunger after the kingdom of God, we can be part of this spirit's breaking upon our worlds and upon our hearts. Because that ultimately is the gift of repentance, not of being utterly contrite and merely saying sorry, but about that wholesale change in understanding and behaviour, a breaking apart as well as a turning around, an invitation to let the whole world fall in and to be changed because of that. Maybe we need more holy words upon our hearts. Maybe we need to wait for the Lord whose day is near. Maybe we need something more of the mystery of God that brings stardust amongst the ashes. After all, so often the stardust isn't noticeable in the good times. We notice the blessing of the kingdom through the most difficult times and trials. A Lenten gift indeed. And so Isaiah concludes, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts, your thoughts, declares the Lord. Perhaps we need to be more open and more hospitable this Lent, to strangers as well as to friends. Perhaps we need to be challenging injustice, to be offended by the brash impracticality of the prophet's words here. Perhaps we need to be a little bit more broken apart, noticing in wonderment as well as helplessness a few more ashes and stardust, gifts of the kingdom of God as we see them and know them. May we be people on a brave Lenten journey who know that we are invited. Come to me, all who are thirsty. But also people who are able to live this out, to change the world, to be inspired, both by ashes and by stardust. prayers I'm going to use have in part been written by David Adams and so we pray together Lord I feel wrung out and drained I come to your fullness for renewal Lord I am weary, worn and woeful I come to you for your power
Lord, I am lethargic, lonely and lost. I come to rejoice in your presence. Lord, above all, I come not for gifts, but to give you myself in love. For in you is life, and in you I am made whole. And so this night, may we notice more stardust moments of the kingdom of God in our midst. May we take more opportunities to act and participate, sharing good news and living with the good, the bad and the ugly of life. May we risk a difficult Lent journey as we are called back to relationship with the whole cosmos. May we know the power of your spirit at work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.